Pepper's gonna come investigate. Oh shit! I don't know, but that was that was excessively painful. It doesn't. I don't know. Let's never do that again. Oh god, my tongue feels so weird now. Was that you being ready? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm ready for a close-up. Hey, everybody. It is We Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment of the 80s and 90s. Uh, and beyond, actually. We, we moved beyond just 80s and 90s. I forgot. Um, because at least one of these movies is in 2000. It is the 20th anniversary of... Uh, oh, my God. Mindy, help me. But the, how did I, I almost famous. famous? I don't know why I almost said Rushmore. And, and no, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, we're going to do Rushmore at one time. Um, we're doing Almost Famous and Say Anything. And uh, it's kind of the more serious of the four teen movies that Cameron Crowe was involved with. Uh, of course, the first two he just wrote, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and I think The Horrible Wildlife. Um, but then there's a long gap there where I, it's like he tried to collect himself. And take control of his own projects. And then in 1989, he comes out with Say Anything, a movie I did not appreciate whatsoever at the time. And I haven't seen since it came out. And I really liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, we've talked about this many a time. That uh, for much of my life, I had a, a deep, deep, deep admiration for John Cusack and all of his catalog. Um, and I don't know necessarily that this was the movie that started it. I mean, I was nine when this came out. I didn't see it when it first came out, obviously. No, we did. We rented it when it came out. Uh, I mean, we didn't see it in theaters, obviously, but we rented it right when it came out. Well, then I don't really remember it. Okay. I was, you know, yeah, impressionable. This is, this is but I don't we still live in Fort Wayne. I definitely remember this. But we, ha- I think we had seen Better Off Dead right before this. Okay. I know we had seen One Crazy Summer because I used to play on HBO all the time. We used to see that during the summer. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't remember. You know exactly the order of things. I do remember watching the other two movies quite a bit. Uh, I think they're a little bit more. I mean, seen more family movies than this. But um, needless to say, uh, for some reason, John Cusack and of course Lloyd Dobler. Really, really did something to my heart. I don't know. Well, I, I think know. he did it to a lot of people. But the, I know it did okay yeah. in the theaters, but on video it broke out and it just became a cult hit. And it still is, I believe, a cult hit. You'll probably find shirts mm. of uh, Lloyd Dobler holding that speaker up, you know, or the the boombox up. Well, if not, it's been referenced and you know paid tribute to, and so many other things. You know, so it's definitely an iconic moment, if nothing else. When I first saw it, I was horribly disappointed. I did, in fact, didn't like the movie because the trailers constantly sold it as a comedy. And you didn't know yeah. that the back half of it had such heavy, dramatic weight and they ditched all the comedy. So I just remember being, I think mean, I was 12. You know, the fact I was even watching in the first place was a surprise. But, um,. As an adult, I, I, I appreciate it way more. It's not a big tonal shift, but I do think it's the studio's fault for trying to sell it as a straight comedy. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it has lighter moments, but it, I mean, I, I would, I dare say, I think calling it a comedy is a bit of a stretch, even. 
Um, Dramedy? You know, I guess. I don't know. Um, it seems more like a, a, what, like a slice of life kind of thing. Yeah, but I, I don't see really, that. I'm all, you know, just like a moment in time. And, and, and it definitely has a, a, a more serious elements than comedic. Um, and yeah, definitely take for the, for people who, you know, you seeing it the first time definitely takes like a darker, more serious turn, like three fourths of the way in, or maybe even, I guess maybe a third or two thirds of the way in or so. And you're just like, Oh, that is very interesting for this supposed teen comedy ish thing. Yeah. Holy crap. I'm looking at this right now. I, For me, in my head, I was saying this is kind of like a lot of TV dramas. You know, I felt like an hour-long show would have this content because mm -hmm. I can't imagine a movie like this would sell to a studio nowadays unless it was going to a streaming channel. And it looks right here, uh, 20th Century Fox, NBC had planned to do a TV show based on this movie, and, it, and Cameron Crowe did not approve of the project, so it didn't go forward. Mm, I don't know how that would work. I'm very curious to know what they're like pitch was you know to, to continue this story or what i don't i don't quite you know how that would work but um i'm happy that he uh said no yeah well i think a part of it is because fast times Ridge my high became a tv show yes. and it, it, did, right. it got a critical reception that was okay but it nobody watched it and it tanked after six episodes and that that can do some damage i think yes absolutely i still love it now um <laughs> You know, what'd you say? I still love it, though. I love that show. Yeah, definitely haven't seen it. Um, I do think it's an interesting, like, um, uh, I don't know, all the, like, supporting characters. I mean, really, there's, you know, it's, it's, this is a, this is a triangle. It's almost the love triangle, but in a different way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a, a family focused love, right? Right. Well, there's I mean, there's the you know her love for Lloyd and her love for her dad, and her dad really puts her in a, a really bad position where she you know has to he makes her feel like she has to choose and that's a really icky thing to do to a person yeah. um <clears throat> but you know uh we're kind of jumping around we don't really need to like go through no, the i never plot like going through stuff, the plot right? that well because i mean you just look up on wikipedia or just watch the damn film i like discussing it as if you had already seen it i kind of just like my stream of consciousness yeah travel, it's, it's a discussion okay. with two people who've already seen it so i suggest right. if you haven't go ahead but i, I this is a, a, a recommend for me already so Right. So the thing is, is like as I'm saying, this is a super um, selfish thing that her dad did to her. But but as we see over time of the movie, he he is a very very selfish person. Yeah, it's so Every, weird because almost all of his motivation is selfish, and, he, and they totally lead you to believe that he's like this super great dad. Right. I I forgot about the whole plot line. I in fact I believed him. The whole time that he was innocent, that he was being set up for something, and then when it actually did turn out to be true, my fucking jaw was on the floor. I was heartbroken. Actually. I know. It is. It's really because he is really believable, and I don't know if it's you know the acting 
skills of John Mahoney or just what if they what if they just didn't even tell him until like you know what if half the movie you know everyone else including the actor playing him was like no he's innocent he's innocent he's innocent because it was so believable like what if he wasn't even told the truth that's a good trick yeah who knows but it seems you're right it seems so real so believable and um and then when you find out the truth and his lame ass bullshit excuses for his choices and like you know telling her he did it all for her and just refusing to take responsibility for his own actions. Right, it's, it's kind of a sociopathic, so... uh, narcissistic dis- thing to say that, oh, it's not my fault, I did it for you. Like You're, it's, you're subconsciously blaming it on the other person. Right. So, mm, the sad part is, is like, yeah, he, you're totally um, manipulated into believing one thing about this family and, and that also... You know, she talks about a uh, uh, Diane talks about a, a difficult time with Lloyd opening up to him about when she had to her parents got divorced and she had to choose between them, and she chose her dad. And it's just everything. Then her choices were like kind of based on lies. Yeah, she, the, she, the gut she punch of finding out that you made every everything uh, from Ugh. that point on was a wrong decision. I mean, maybe it wasn't wrong, but it was. Those decisions were made based on lies. Yeah. And just knowing that, you know, when she kind of just completely distances herself from him and uh, can't speak to him, because it's a huge betrayal. Ugh. It is, it is a little heart-wrenching. You're right. Um, one of my things about this, this movie, that's a super minor detail, but always frustrates me is the timeline oh how fast it moves yeah it doesn't seem like it fits she she tells you at the beginning of or towards the beginning of the movie that she has 16 weeks before she goes to this fellowship which i'm pretty sure nobody gets that much time between the graduation of high school and going to college that's too long um but that besides besides the point is like this entire relationship blossoms they they fall in love her her dad gets you know like investigated and then indicted and then in prison and all this stuff and i mean in less than four months like the timeline really kind of bugs me uh especially when we get down towards the end with the you know when all the shit hits the fan with her dad that it uh it just seems rushed or odd to me I know it's a minor thing that doesn't really affect the storyline, but uh, uh, I don't know. Details matter to me. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that that's the detail that bothered you, which is a realistic, completely understandable thing. My thing was, why would Jeremy Piven take off that fucking hat? Oh, it's right, because he was probably balding at this point. Take off that fucking hat. <laughs> He's not going to pull off a high school student if he does. I don't okay, here's, an- here's another minor thing. Okay, I like all of the supporting characters. I thought they were fun, especially, uh, I mean, I thought, you know, Corey is a little bit deranged and incredibly obsessed, and why doesn't anyone point this out to her? Like, she definitely moves through her, like, obsession and grief in a really weird way, and she seems like she's 
you know, come, coming around to the other side. But man, that's really twisted. And all those songs that she, she spends like seven yes, hours singing insane. songs about this guy who seems like a total douche novel, unworthy of her obsession. Um, but I love DC and she's so like positive and sweet. And I mean, who is this lady and does she ever act again? Because there's no other. Yeah, I've never seen her uh, besides this movie, yeah love her and then just all the little like side characters lauren dean is joe the douche nozzle in question um what did he only have one it... opportunity at stardom and that was mumford and then just <sighs> everybody loved that movie all the i mean it wasn't a hit but critics loved it and are get... you serious he was in gattaca but was he the star? He no, he's no, he was not the star. But it was a good moment. I guess you're well, right. Well, Gattaca probably know. led to Mumford though, because Gattaca was '97, yeah. Mumford was '99. But after Mumford, I expected him to get some more work in that. In I that, know. No, it that didn't was happen. such a good movie. I think it's just one of those things that just doesn't really get the the you know the respect it deserves. I mean, he was in so much stuff. You're right, and he was really on its on his way. Right. In '98 was he was an enemy of the state. Then 2000 Space Cowboys. I mean, and then TV, 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 yeah. TV, TV, TV. What the hell happened to him? It's a, it's a disappointment. And I don't know. Anyway, it was a. Uh, and then there's who else? Well, there's Pamela Adlon, who has uh, has carved herself a niche in the last decade as like a go-to I cool know. mom. Isn't she mostly known for? I feel like I've seen her since she was a child. Um, but I might get her yeah. confused with someone else, but she did a lot of boys where I feel like she did a lot of stuff when she was really young. She was in Greece too, I remember, and that was in eighty two. She was like I think like maybe the younger uh the youngest kid in like the little group or she was an annoying sibling or something in Greece too. I can't exactly remember. Um, but I mean she's 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 currently on, you know, one of the most popular TV shows on t- on right now. This is Us. I think wasn't she the mom on like Louie, I think. Freaking... She, was, she was on. A show oh, I've Apple. never seen that. Yeah, I've never seen that. I was thinking Bumblebee. That uh, I freaking I don't know why I love that movie so much. I really, really, really like that movie. By the she's way, all those Bumblebee. movies count as teen entertainment. And she, you're right. She does tons of TV work. I think that she did like her one of her most popular shows was like Recess, the Disney show Recess. Was she? Uh, uh, Hail Bobby. Was she on King of the Hill? I've never seen King of the Hill, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> A lot of the work she's done, I've never seen before. I've never seen. She was on 80 episodes of Californication, which I've never seen. But I think Scott watched that whole series without me. Um, okay, she is. Has, see, I was looking up. Uh, I, I remember the first time I think I saw her was in Ventures of Ford Fairlane, but I wasn't sure that was the same person. She was 23 when she appeared. Wow. She's been around forever, and she pretty much always looks like she's the same age. Like, I mean, to me, she always just looks like she's in her like mid 30s, and she's never really changed. She was also in Little Darlings, which is probably what you're thinking. Re- of, oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So, you know what? That's probably how I'm visualizing her instead of the Grease thing is she was one of the younger, like, uh, you know, kids hanging around on Grease. I mean, on Little Darlings, since we watched that not that long ago. Right. And did it for the show. She was on Fast Life. She's just she's been around since forever. 
You know, I was just thinking earlier when I said I recommend this movie, let's be clear. I'm not wasting my time and I don't want to waste any of your time by recommending any movies that fucking blow. Because even there's oh, something no. to recommend with I Know What You Did Last Summer. It's not exactly the greatest movie, but it's a lot of fun to watch. And I watch these movies usually before I recommend them to you because I don't want to waste your time. Are you talking to me or to our listening audience? To you, but I'm also kind of talking to the audience because I don't want to give you a movie that sucks ass. I tried to no, watch The unless, Head and the Kid and I couldn't fucking finish it. Everybody says it's so great. Unless, I'm like, nope, nope. Unless it's so bad that it turns on its head and it becomes enjoyable. Yeah. There are movies like that that I, you know, uh, that are so bad they're enjoyable. But, yeah, I mean, most of the time, if I, uh, I either have seen the movie and I like it or, you know, I, I'm willing to watch it because you've asked me to. But most of the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm down. Because, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of shit movies and I don't <laughs> really I, – I don't generally want to spend a bunch of time talking about crap. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, I guess. Well, also, we don't want to do, I mean, I love doing the show, but I don't particularly want to do a thousand episodes. So. You don't. No, I just want to call it down Who to the stuff that's worth then? watching. <laughs> Let's just say this. There's a lot of the 80s stuff that's fucking distasteful. The way they treat sex uh, and say anything. Ha ha, right back around. The way they treat say yes. anything uh, is uh, so much more sensitive than most of the, it was like. This is the end of the 80s. This is a cure for what the bullshit we saw in the first half of the 80s, like Porky's and all that garbage you exploitation. It, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, the the sensitivity of Little Darlings, now that, we're, that, that came up, the sensitivity to the topic of sex and how it was dealt with in that movie is kind of, I mean, not quite as intense, but similar, but kind of reversed. Right. Well, the awkwardness in that was... one, but there's no real awkwardness in this one. Well, I mean, I guess it could have been awkward, but, you know, he was super emotional about it, and she was very sweet to him, and it was a very sweet, like, you know, moment about, you know, how it can be important. It doesn't have to be. I'm not telling people how to view sex. Right. But I think that it was a very sensitive way to go about it, which well, is not Yeah, you're talking about a enough. decade where almost every movie with teenagers, it was treated in a farcical bullshit way where it was in yeah. complete fantasy land. Um, but movies yeah. like, you know, like Sid Little Darlings, and I think even Fast Times at Ridgemont High deals with it in a more yeah. realistic fashion because there's embarrassment with the scene with Judge Reinhold where he's fantasizing about... Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I can't. Well, we can't remember her name. Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. Uh, and then Come the on, man. the the horrid reality of both of Jennifer Jason Lee's uh, experiences. Experiences. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so I think um, Cameron Crowe was really aware of grounded reality when it comes to this stuff. Because even in the yeah. scenes where they're partying, it seems like it's not meant for laughs or wild entertainment. It's just kind of watching these boneheads just get drunk and act like goofuses or whatever and yeah. then they move on with their day yeah you know ultimately even though like definitely not all of Cameron Coast movies are masterpieces by any means you know they are very there's there's every end of this you know every part of the spectrum is can be applied to his movies there's some that are eh, I wouldn't watch again and some that you know are masterpieces in my opinion but for the most part, 
he that is something that he does consistently and does well is to write you know he's not uh, tone deaf to reality yeah but also you know people with depth and um emotional i don't know depth is i can't i said the same word yeah. twice but i that's hate that I too don't you <laughs> do you feel like paul must have taken something from camera crow when he developed freaks and geeks because it has that yeah. authenticity to it the awkwardness i can yeah i can see that i can definitely see that um and there's just so many little nuanced moments in this movie that make it so like realistic and sweet and all the stuff like I don't know you know he's so weird yeah and, I love this and, conversation about it, not wanting to sell it. and they, they sold this in the commercial oh, about know. not wanting to sell anything but here's the thing is that Lloyd has a general idea of who he wants to be right but, but how to get there yeah how to get there and he he straight up just tells her dad he goes look I don't know where I'm going in my life, but I know I want to be with her. And I know she knows where she wants to go, and I want to support her in, in, in her goals. And, yeah, in a less sophisticated, direct way. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a sophisticated guy by any means, but he's real. And I think, you know, that's why, why she likes him, and other people don't quite get it. Yeah. Well, but a lot of people after authentic. high school don't know what to do, or after college don't know what to do. We're told to do this. We're told to go right. here and do that. And then when it's done, you're on your own. You're like, now what? I, I don't have, I don't have a guide or directions anymore. So I'm lost. Nope. Nope. You know what? Being an adult is really freaking hard. <laughs> yeah. but, but to him, that's a whole another story. But right. to him, Diane is his lighthouse. He's lost at sea and he needs to find a way. So she is his lighthouse. Is that sweet or is that no? Like, they, I, I think it's sweet. Dependency. It is, but it isn't. He's not obsessive. He's not also not a broken right. human being, but he knows that he she's that that pinpoint that he needs to head towards. Yeah. How many more metaphors can I use? <laughs> He's just guiding There's light. No <laughs> anyway, enough, enough, enough. So, I think generally we've you know, I exhausted a conversation about this i would like to say a couple more things go ahead though real quick okay i love 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 the decision to cast his sister as his sister their chemistry is fucking like bonkers yeah it's so good i love it every scene with him and her son it's just, I just, it just feels so real and authentic. And like their conversations are just like, he's like, you used to be crazy and awesome and hilarious. And she's like, yeah, I used to be hilarious, didn't I? <laughs> you know, and his like, his like bond with that little boy. No kidding. Okay. You, you believe like, he truly loves him as, as a uncle. Yes, I really do. And I love all of that. Um, I think the scene when he tries to bond with the dudes is hilarious because he's like, well, I'm doing something wrong. I need some, you know, to talk to dudes for once because he's always with these, you know, girls who are a little sappy but also super supportive of him. Yeah, those guys are idiots. That's why. That's why I usually, don't, I usually don't like men. He realizes they're... real quick that was a mistake. <laughs> and in addition, why was there a 12-year-old boy hanging out with high school graduates <laughs> saying, bitches, man, like, you know anything about women? <laughs> Which that I believe in the trailer so they weird. sold it as chicks, man. 
Right. And then the last thing I will say is, you know, it has a potentially controversial ending in that it's not really an ending. It sort of leaves you hanging because it's a beginning. Yeah. Some people don't like things that aren't conclusive. You know, I like to believe, you know, sometimes I think leaving things on a cliffhanger that indicates hope is perfect. Yeah, well, it's different when it's a slice of life kind of movie. If this is an action movie, right. I, I kind of want some resolution. Right. It, it does depend a lot on what, um, what kind of film it is. That's for sure. And but all, overall, yeah. I will say that this has always been one of my favorite movies. Um, the acting is great. However, I do feel like there's such a natural ease to so many of the conversations and scenes. Um, but John Mahoney... Fucking win it, damn, right? He dude. steals that movie. Powerhouse! Yeah. Rest in peace. I know, dude. Okay. I'm done with that. Okay, almost famous. Last last bits you want to say? No, no. I want to. Almost famous is the one that I knew was great. Chomp, I enjoyed chomp, it. Chomp, chomp, chomp. You're the one who got me into almost famous. Yes, I saw trailers for this nonstop. They pushed this movie hard. Uh, they wanted Academy Awards. They wanted people to go see it, and it didn't really work out the way they thought it would. It still lost a ton of money, but it became a cult favorite on video. I haven't seen it. I don't think since we watched it in 2000. Another long mm. gap. Maybe seen a couple. I feel like I knew the movie well enough, so I must have seen it more than once. But when I watched it this time, I would say out of 100, it's a 99. I take one point off for not believing that Jason Lee is saying that. <laughs> Wrong voice for that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely 100% not him. I was like, what the fuck? No, you don't choose that voice. <laughs> But damn, does he look like a 70s rocker. Yes, he does. God, there was a he moment where look. Jason Lee was going to be the guy. And Billy Crea, oh. for some reason, also, but not he didn't get as much energy off of it. I feel like Jason Lee really had a breakout with this. But both of them, yeah. just, they're, I mean, Billy Crudup is a critically acclaimed actor who shows up every once in a while in, like, kind of mainstream movies, but a lot of artsy independent movies. Jason Lee he just wrapped it up. more on the edge, for yeah. sure. He, he he could have probably started in a bunch of studio movies, and he just said, no, I'm good. I just want to start in stuff that I want to see. Well, you know, maybe that's partially because it was not his first career. He, oh, you really? know, already had a, Jason Lee. No, oh, I'm sorry. I think you're talking about Billy Crudup. Oh, no. I mean, I was talking about Jason Lee. Oh, and, split, you know, I was talking about someone else. You're talking about Billy Crudup. Yeah, the fact that he I mean, maybe had he a chance to be more... Yeah. Deep, you know, artsy stuff, and that's primarily seems to be what he does. Yeah. Um, more indie movies, more, you know. Have you ever seen uh, Rudderless with um, our boy Anton Yelkin? I've never even heard of it till this moment. Oh my god! Uh, we'll talk about it later. Okay. You need to. You need to see. Yeah, the only thing I know that he's been in that was big was he was one of the villains in Mission Impossible Three, and uh, we get his big big blue dong in Watchmen. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I was like, wasn't that really his like biggest movie? Yeah. Uh, On no no pun intended, I guess. (laughs) But but I rewatched this, and it's another one of these movies where, in retrospect. 
Yes, there was a few people that are established, but this is like ground zero for the next generation of actors. I love movies like it when you go revisit them, like Fast Times or Dazed and Confused. And this, where you look and go, oh my god, this is where they started. This, 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 you know, whatever. This is very early on breakout roles for people. Yeah, there's so many. So, as I mentioned to you, I almost watched the 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 version on Voodoo that you had, which is the, you know, the regular release, uh, theatrical release that's two, about two hours. Well, I... I have so many stupid DVDs that I forget sometimes what I have, and I realized, oh, well, I have this, and it's the bootleg, uh, bootleg edition uh, that has an extra forty-five minutes <laughs> of content, and I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to like, I need to see this, I need to know. Um, I will say it was definitely worth watching. Um, obviously it didn't have anything that was so groundbreakingly important, uh, that it changed the story uh, because if it was, it wouldn't have cut it out. Um, Oh, that's not true. No, 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 no. (laughs) I've seen movies that are fucking chopped up. Miramax Kings of chopping up a movie. Somewhere out there exists the full version of Texas Rangers and this chopped up incoherent mess they gave us. I want to see the original version. They cut out 40 minutes. Hmm. Okay, I spoke too soon. You're right. But mostly it's uh, the, the scenes that were, I mean, there was definitely points where I was like, oh, yeah, this was not in the theatrical release. But it's been long enough that, like, I can't pinpoint all 45 minutes, you know. But there's basically enormous amounts of footage, you know, and, and scenes where they're on the road uh, with, uh, with the band and with, um, you know, the, the band-aids and stuff where you really get to like, get to know them more and see them more in depth. Uh, sadly to my dismay, uh, there was no extra scenes of, um, his mom, his, his sister, um, Oh God, what's his name? Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman character. There's not anything extra there, um, which was a little bit of a bummer. Um, but it definitely gives more substance to you know these characters and the the relationship, um, the bond that he builds with them over the course of this experience. I think what's so interesting about this. And some of um, Cameron Crowe's other movies is that they are, you know, semi-autobiographical. This one being very, so much of the content is based on things that he experienced. You know, he was a teenage rock and roll, uh, you know, um, journalist. He really did tour with bands, you know, most of the people are based on, you know, real people, you know, bands, he, you know, he made up a fake band instead of using real, the real band, but, you know, the band, some of the band-aids are real people that he met, so many of the experiences were things that really happened to him, and you, I think that maybe is part of the reason why this movie is so good, because this is maybe twofold, a love letter to music because we see over the course of his entire career 
how much he really truly loves music in all of his films in one way or another. And also maybe it's a little cathartic to, you know, for him to address some of the strange ass experiences of his life. Yeah. Well, I think some of his best movies are the ones that are rooted in who he is or based on like true story, fast mm-hmm. times, say anything and almost famous. Uh, I think singles is great, but I don't, I don't know if that's based on his real life or not, but, um, Mm-hmm. Where I think there's a bit of a disconnect. Yes, I, Jerry Maguire is a good movie. It's not a great movie because I don't think there's an right. emotional connection. Vanilla Sky, right. I, it's okay. I like no. it. I know it's much hated. Um, I think you hate it, don't I, you? I feel like, I just, I don't know if I hate it. I just don't like it. I don't understand why I, he did I a remake like, that's not like him. And I never, I've never seen anything really, after that. I've never seen Elizabeth Town or Aloha. Is, right. there, is there another one in there? It doesn't. It doesn't follow the um, formula. His formula. It's such a take away from what he usually does. You know, it's so impersonal. It's so weird. It's so different than the rest. I don't know that I hate it, but I've never been interested enough to watch it more than. I don't think I've ever seen it more than. Yeah, once. I've only ever seen it once. I have no interest in going back. So I mean. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a... I don't know what else he's done. I mean, Elizabeth Town's okay. Uh, I think it's probably a pretty watered-down, not not emotional... He's not emotionally connected right. to that watered-down romance. <laughs> oh, he did Aloha, which was really not received well. He did We Bought a Zoo, which is... Okay, but you know, again, I don't know that anyone like it's, it's a fine. Film. Well, it seems like the ones that he he's the worst at is when they're plot driven instead of character driven. I think the reason Almost Famous yeah. is his best. I mean, yeah, I'm going to say it is his masterpiece is because yes. he took three of his greatest strengths: personal experience, slice of life, and episodic. The episodic nature of some of his movies is how you don't get bored because the plot is constantly yeah. shifting. And there's not a, an A to a B. It's, you know, like a connect the dots. It's like, you know, uh, just try to get to these little bits and pieces. And if you don't like this right. five-minute sequence, guess what? There's another five-minute sequence, which you'll dig. And I think and it's, it's as the perfect casting. It's the music choices. I, I'm going to tell you that I am truly in – just I don't want to say in rapture because it sounds so dorky, but I guess it's the only thing I say. Billy Crudup's performance is awe-inspiring. I, I am William. And I am watching Russell, yeah. and I feel like I the little that. kid who's looking up to his hero. Yeah, I get it. And I think, isn't that what he, I mean, probably what I hope he was trying to achieve. Yeah. It's to make you feel what William is feeling. Um, and it's, it's surprisingly funny. Um, they didn't really, that's the irony, is that they sold the comedy and say anything and disappointed me. They didn't really sell any comedy in yeah. Almost Famous, but it's pretty funny, especially the first half hour when... William's just a little kid or whatever, and his mother oh, is so high strung. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you know the thing. Like, there's so many, you know, interesting nuances in these characters, especially with Frances McDormand as his mother. And I read that she, he, like when she, his mom came to the set, and he did everything in his power to like keep them apart because he did not want his mom or Francis to meet his mom and, you know, have any influences on how to play her. And something happened and he had to leave for a while and he comes back and they're having lunch together. Oh, no. He was like, oh, well, shit. You know, and uh, so many of the 
experiences that he was like, well, I'm a little uncomfortable about my mom knowing about this. Like, the one of the few things that bothers me the most uh, about the story, but it really happened, I guess, is the whole deflowering thing, which makes me really mad that these silly little girls, you know, took advantage of him like that. Uh, but shit, shit like that is real, and you know, uh, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that you should ignore it. I guess. What makes um, me uncomfortable? Re- what makes me so uncomfortable is Penny Lane tells you that she what she's sixteen, right? I don't believe it though. Oh, I think it's a lie. Is I mean, yeah, I, yes, I understand. Truth. Wait, I mean, did she lie Penny- to get William to admit to his real age? I think so. Yeah, okay, but everything he... about her was a was a, a dream. You know, everything about her was a fairy tale creation. Like she was creating and adjusting from moment to moment. You know, she didn't know who she was at all, and she was just sort of bouncing through life and just you know. Yeah. Does that make sense? She's not a hero. So, That's the one thing that he. He gets um, distracted by is he thinks she's some sort of uh, right. Svengali, whatever. Huh? What's that? Yeah. So he's, I, was, I said, yeah. Yeah, they're all kind of enraptured by her, but you see some of the manipulative shit that she does. Especially oh, at the absolutely. end of that dinner. She knew exactly what she was fucking doing. She was messing with Russell, and his wife is right yeah. there, and she's still doing it. She knows better, and then she tries to kill herself with some dramatic yeah. bullshit. And William begs her not to make a scene, not to show up, not to do anything, and she is selfish. You know, I think that's more what I saw this time than my previous viewings, that she really is, like, she's really fake, and everything's bullshit, and, but I, I mean, most of it, I don't think, I don't think all of it has ill intent. I think she doesn't know who she is. Right. And, um, she's, like I said, just fucking bullshitting, creating something as she goes along. Um, I don't get that same vibe from, like, the other girls necessarily. Sapphire. Oh, I love Sapphire. I was about to say that. She is my favorite she's, of the girls. I like her more like, than... Um, she's like the mother hen. You know, she's looking out for everyone, but she is... She seems to be so authentically herself. You know, she's not... She's not a putting on a show. She's not pretending to be someone. You know, she just is who she is. I think... You know, when you're saying about how, oh, she says she's 15 or whatever, I don't believe that she's 15 at all. Uh, The thing that bothers me the most, I think, is like Anna Paquin. eh, I'm pretty sure she was a a baby. Right. Well, it'd be you, Phillips, also. I, I do not believe that they were of age. Yeah, there's no way. And I think it's super disturbing. But also, was it realistic? Probably. Yeah, well, I'm okay, sure here's something. Uh, I listened to an interview with Radon Chung where she was talking about okay. making mm-hmm. Commando. But she talked about before she ever became a star and that she was in Hollywood, her dad was busy, and she he was never around. So she's going sure. to all these parties, you know, like, uh, you know, these, uh, like, oh, what's the damn, like Club 54 kind of parties in the 70s. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. flat out just tells them, I was 16 or whatever, and I was fucking Mick Jagger. And I'm like, holy Ew. shit! And she goes, back wow. then it was just the 70s, it was normal. I was like, no, I don't, I wasn't in the 70s, but I don't think that was normal. I think you're trying to make an excuse so it doesn't seem gross. But yeah, I get a feeling a lot of these rock stars didn't give a fuck how old you were. 
No, I mean, I think that it's gross no matter what, but her saying that that was, that was normal, it was common, is t- probably true. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have this coworker who is like probably in her early 60s now or something, or late 50s, and she was telling me how she grew up in L.A., and she would just like in the 70s just hitchhike all over town. She's like, I don't know how, and went to go clubbing and all this stuff, it just like at very young ages, and she's like, I don't know how I'm still alive. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's either. what I want to know because, uh, man, you hear about the 70s, and it was like satanic panic and serial killers were on the rise. So nuts. Um, but do you what a what a creepy ass time and really what kind of mother? I'm sorry, this would not happen now. What kind of mother, even and, and being as strict as she was, even would agree to let a 15 year old go off with a bunch of fucking crazed strangers who are? I mean, she didn't know they were crazy. I don't know that they're crazy, but drug, sex, rock and roll. Like, what was she thinking? That would never happen now. Yeah, I oh know, especially when they say they call, they, they call them helicopter parents, and I'm going to tell you this: uh, it's because the parents are actually taking responsibility for fucking one. So don't give them any shit for being a helicopter parent. Yeah, it's true. I mean, at least they're paying attention to what their kids are doing. They might be a little overbearing, but at least they're not neglectful. Hey, where are your kids? Or, I don't know. I haven't seen them in like three days. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, how how the fuck long was he on this journey with them? Because it seems like it was like two months. Really, at some point, I would have broken down and said, fuck this, I'm not interviewing, you know, I mean, I would have called it quits on interviewing Russell. He was being an asshole. Well, here's the thing. He's being such a difficult asshole, he could have finished it in a week. That there was, there was a moment in the, the bootleg edition, which I am pretty sure is not in the theatrical release, where he is so far into this tour, I don't even remember how many stops. It's like, he's like multiple stops into this tour and he keeps thinking okay next next one i'm gonna get that interview and i i need to go home and there's a point where he goes to the to, to, to try to co- you know beg him to do the interview and russell just you know screams leave me alone nobody bother me don't, just go away he sits in a chair and no. he just cries yeah it's it's so in the frustrated. it's in the version i watched it is okay. I couldn't remember because it was just like it was such like a small but like valuable moment. Right. Well, it's where he like, finally broke, uh, where he's a kid again instead of just a lost wanderer yep. trying to be an adult. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of people who who I didn't not remember were in this movie from my p- previous viewings, specifically uh, Rain Wilson. Like, no, I did not. Not uh, even a faintest clue. I mean, did you did you see him this viewing? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> he's, he's, because, he's like a really long cigarette. And he's like, I'm really proper. But the thing is, like, he works for Ro- uh, Rolling Stone, and but there's a lot more Rolling Stone scenes in this other version. Uh, so he he was probably in like four or five scenes, oh, okay. but I don't remember it being there was there being very much content. Uh, like that in the theatrical cut. There's also Eric Stone Street, who I think was maybe his first movie. Obviously, I didn't know who he was in 2000 when I saw this. Mark Marin, which I don't remember either being in it. Um, so many like you know people in little little parts 
Um, well, I didn't know this is where Jay Barishaw had his breakout. I mean, because Undeclared's the next year, and I was like, how did he get cast? Yeah. Is he just seem like some sort of Canadian? No, it's because I remem- of this. Yeah. I do remember him, but geez, what a little baby he was, right? Yeah, and also how fucking My- desperate and weird he is. Well, you know, but 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 there's a franticness to his persona that you see in a lot of his other projects. So yeah. I don't know if that's just like they tapped into that first, you know, his first big, you know, role and said, keep doing this. It works for you. Or that's partially who he is, yeah. you know? Um, did I it's ever just... tell you that I get confused between Noah Taylor and I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the bad guy in every movie now. He was like in Ready Player One and uh, Rogue One and other movies with one in it. <laughs> um, what is the bad guy's name? That Noah Taylor looks just like this guy. Hold on. I'm going to look real quick. I really like Noah Taylor. Uh, I think I... Fr- oh, Ben Mendel. Yes. I yeah. don't... They look like the same guy. generic. Yeah, he's in everything now, and he's, he's really watering down. He's becoming the uh, Gary Oldman, the way he was in the 90s. Yeah. Except he doesn't play any wild I, characters. He's just always the same generic villain. I think the thing with... You know, I think his breakout role, Noah Taylor, that was Shine... Where he was like the younger version. Oh, I remember him. Was Wasn't he in that version? movie with uh, John Cusack, the Max movie, where he was Hitler? Mm, I'm pretty sure you're right. He's in a lot of stuff. This is also the first time I'd ever the... seen Zoe Deschanel. I don't know if she had done anything before this. She's she so was lovely. also in the Paddington, Paddington movies. If you've never seen Paddington... Oh, I've seen the first one. It's great. Oh, it's so adorable. Anyway... Um, I believe I don't know if she was anything in anything before this. I think that was her breakout. Oh no, this is um, ironic and uh, I mean, no, not ironic. A coincidence. I'm going to get it right. Her debut was in <clears throat> Mumford. Oh, okay. To bring it back around. <laughs> all right, all right. I see. That's that's a weird connection. Um, it's a really interesting thing when I was reading some of the facts, and you know. I've, many a time I've said how much I love to read the IMDb facts about movies and often, you know, use the infor- you know, bring up the information when I when we're talking. This movie has so many trivia facts that I gave up. <laughs> so many. But the, the 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 details of all of the, you know, who was originally cast as uh, Russell Hammond, and who was originally cast as Penny? You know, all the people who auditioned for this part, all the famous motherfucking people who went out for these parts, and who he who he ended up with is really interesting. It, like you were saying, so many like uh, people who ended up being pretty huge, but you know, weren't at the time. And I don't know. Who casting agent was who worked on this film but kudos to that person because how how fortuitous and smart their casting choices were in this you know um because originally according to imdb and i know not everything is correct on here but oh supposedly do you know who was supposed to play russell hammond no brad pitt I can can see you that. visualize that? I can see that, but that would have been even more expensive. I can't believe this movie cost sixty million dollars. With Brad Pitt, it would have been like eighty. I can I can visualize. I mean, I can see him in the role. Yes, but I wouldn't have bought him as Russell. I, I would keep going. No. Oh, it's Brad Pitt. It's just Brad Pitt. 
Yep. Um, and strangely, it, supposedly, Sarah Polly was supposed to play Penny Lane. Really? I'll, I love Sarah Polly, really but I'm not sure about that. Which is a obscure choice, in yeah. my opinion. Supposedly, Brad Pitt dropped out because he didn't get it. <laughs> he just, he just, it said that he didn't like... I think maybe he didn't connect with what was happening, you know? He didn't connect enough with it to want to do it. He said, I just don't get it enough to do it, is what it said. Kate Hudson was originally supposed to play Anita, William's sister. I don't know. There's so many, like, casting ch changes and things that, that uh, how things were originally supposed to be. It's very interesting. Um, but, I, I'm you know, I can't visualize things differently now because they're just to me just seems so so amazing yeah lock in so, place how do they find patrick fugit though that's the find of the whole thing hi she's louise i don't know i mean he really was only like 17 or something when he did this movie and what he had maybe one credit before this what a find right it's just uh, you, when you say that on a scale of, you know, 100, that this is probably a 99 for you, I mean, I have, like, maybe two two issues, minor things that are not a big deal, but uh, overall, I mean, geez, this movie is just gold. Yeah, I'll say this. Gail Levin is the casting director. She doesn't, she really hasn't been a casting director in much. She hasn't worked in a few years. Last thing she was roadies, but she did a lot. Uh, basically, she did all of the movies Cameron Crowe's directed for the last uh, right. 25 years. Um, she also cast um, Empire Records. That's the oh. only major oh. thing I would say. Everything else here is kind of generic. I love that movie, too, but we've talked about that before. Oh, she uh, helped cast Silverado. That's a pretty good cast. Hmm. I mean, when you're doing, you know movies that really are ensemble pieces it's not this i mean this movie is an ensemble piece i still do think most of the pressure rests on the shoulders of patrick fugit who did not become the star that he maybe deserved to he did a lot of other movies but i don't think he's acting much anymore and he, a lot of the stuff he did was not great uh but he i mean i think he truly was fantastic in this movie and there was a lot resting on his very untested shoulders yeah um but any you know different casting a different whatever different song choices different you know it totally could have gone a different way and even if it wasn't a huge commercial success i will fight to the bitter end that this is a masterpiece totally i completely agree on this one but the difference is, is that I've thought this since day one. All right, I thought it was good. I didn't know it was that great. Damn it, There's a lot of movies. I out mean, there I you read. say you say all the time that like I don't know. I kind of like tap into stuff sometimes earlier than you do. I don't know what made me want to see this movie, but I mean, why wouldn't I? Did you uh, see this in theaters? But, I, I'm pretty sure you saw this in theaters and told me I had to see it. I don't remember. I'm going to be honest with you, but there's something there's something about me that really gravitates to pretty much any movie that is music based, musical or not musical, um, because this is very heavily music based. But I, you know, I do not count this as a musical. Um, 
but uh, pretty much anything that's heavy in music, I just want to see. Yeah. I it's don't just, know. It's a predilection it's that something. you and I have. I don't know if it's, it's, it's a genetic in us or it's the fact that when yeah. we were little, you know, we were taken to that children's theater where they had musicals and real plays and stuff like that. It was That's what was fascinating. Some people just hate musicals, and I'm down for it. As long as it's not depressing. I couldn't finish like this. I just couldn't do it. It was so depressing. Um, there's moments of genius, but it's tough. Yeah, now Greatest Showman, holy shit, I can't believe I sat on that one for so long. Oh, uh, we can't talk about that right now, because no, we we'll never stop talking, because no. I am obsessed with that movie. Okay, um, any other little things you would, uh, things you would like to point out? Jimmy Fallon in the fucking shittiest beard? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I'm going to say that that might be what, one of the things that makes this movie not a hundred for me well i almost but i saw the second time and i thought it was intentional that he was supposed to look like a fake ass joke oh like probably be. i yeah. mean like he's a guy who's snorting just, coke over at you know uh, 50 uh, club 54 or whatever or studio 54 pretending to be one of the guys and he comes in he promises him this big deal and takes it away from noah taylor which sucked yeah definitely um the plane sequence um, maybe is a little too forced uh, um, I feel like there's a few scenes with Penny Lane that feel a little forced, but again, that may be in, may be intentional yeah. because, again, I think you know that everything about her is fake and that she's just creating these magical moments or trying. Well, to you see, magic. she goes into the parties and she acts like she's the one. She makes them even believe it because she's yes. there now. It's a real party. What I love about Sapphire yes. is is she's clearly like what five six years older. She's been on the road a lot she, longer. That yeah. she has dropped that veil. She's just there to have a good yes. time, not make a good time. Yes. Well, again, she is authentic. She is what she is. You're right, and um, that is a definite difference between them. And again, I think that then there's also then the third the third kind of level is the like the Anna Paquin. Alexia character where she's clearly younger she's clearly newer to this whole world and she's really she really is is she's trying too hard in a a different way right you know it's it's Uh, really heartbreaking in two different ways when they reveal that they're going to trade them in a poker game because the way William perceives it is heartbreaking but then when they basically yeah. say, well, that's just how it is. We're, we're, they're done yeah. touring. We're going to go off to another band. That's almost de- devastating because you view them as merchandise instead of people. Yeah. And they accepted that role, but they also don't want the party to end. They constantly want to be on tour. That's a weird, yeah. weird thing. There is a third element to that, that when when he, when William tells penny how it went down and her reaction is so heartbreaking when she like is trying to be so cool and nonchalant and like "Mm, it's just the way it is but she's like just desperately trying to like hide those tears because she's in such shock yeah there's so many layers to this movie and it just digs deep sometimes you got to do multiple viewings it's, yes, it's not. It, we, it's de- It has a lot of depth to it, but it's not horribly depressing. It's not like it gets into the no. dark recesses of what concept. Because there's a lot of light, funny moments. I think the moments with his family are very cathartic and, and enjoyable. Well, I think one of my favorite scenes uh, is the one where 
is when, you know, Russell and Jeff had it out over those stupid t-shirts where Russell's in the front and everybody else's face oh, is yeah, blurred yeah. out. Like, he's the star and they're nothing. And they finally just hash it out and he's like, no, this shirt is a gift. You, This is uh, this is giving you the opportunity to get it all out. You know, and they just, they just throw it all on the ground and, and all the shit that, that they've been holding back and the, the um, you know, how much they begrudge each other and, oh, well, you know, they're holding Russell back because they're not as talented as he is and he's holding it over their heads that he could leave any time. Which you you know know, is true. This is something that we've seen in our lifetime with bands from like the 90s or whatever where a guy will break out and it just destroys a band. And then sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, Matchbox 20, they kept pushing... Rob Thomas, yes, he is the lead yeah. singer, but they were really pushing him as, like, it's Rob Thomas's yeah. band. And, mm-hmm. you know, he went on his own, and it didn't work out that well, so he came right back. And just you see that kind of shit. From, and it's always from marketing guys, agents. Yeah. Sucks. So I, I think it is interesting because, you know, it shows you, you know, nuances of a world that you know, most of us will never see, never experience, and probably are real thankful that we're not, Um, but uh, most of it, you know, is real, and um, it is not easy being um, two steps from fame, you know? (laughs) Yeah, just, and it's funny how they're on, they're not, they're on a rise, and they could fail at any moment, which is what, what some of the tension is, is that they could be in the top, you know, the headliners of huge concerts. They're they're yep. getting there, but their their relationship is destroying the band, and mm-hmm. they, they could be just a whatever happened to them, the one hit wonders kind of band. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That there's a that a lot of the tension is not just the personalities, but the risks that they're taking, the um, you know, or not taking the commitment seriously. Or that one thing, one misstep, yeah, one, like, one, scary? one bad article or one revealing article from William is going to destroy them. Yeah, but you're even talking like little nuances like they could just be with the wrong band on their tour. If they choose yeah. to go with the wrong band, it's like the way an actor can choose a role that he thinks could make him or break him. And it, on paper, yeah. it looks great, but after it's all said and done, there's meddling, whatever, then it's ruined, and your career is ruined. It had nothing to do with you. You can yeah. give a good performance, eh, you're done. Yep. It's terrible. Yep. That's why I don't ever want to work in that field. <laughs> like one of those, one of the scenes where, you know, you remember the scenes where Russell, like, electrocutes himself? Yeah. He could have died. Well, yeah. He, well, one, he could have died. Two, I don't. I think this was an extended scene, but I can't remember when the aftermath of the him being electrocuted was. Um, you know that they were so angry that they were put you know put at risk and treated so with such neglect that they bailed on the show. Yeah. And um, you know were being threatened to be sued. And then, <laughs> Lock the gate. <laughs> That's Mark Maron's <laughs> right, famous exactly. line. Yes, exactly. And then later on, you know, when um, Jimmy Fallon's character comes in, he says, you know, you all, you, if you had a better manager and, and had handled this better, this would have, this, this situation could have been so different. Instead of you paying, paying because you broke a contract, we could have sued them for almost killing you. You know, I mean, it's a, it's just, it's a detail, a, a little thing that even if it, it wasn't their fault, that simple thing was 
putting them in uh, in debt and could have destroyed them too. Yeah. There's so many things. Oh, it's, it's what such... fascinating detail. I know, right? I love it. Um, but I don't want to go too long in this. We're at an hour now. This is the longest episode we've ever done of this show, and it was really? worth it. Yeah, we've never hit an hour before. We usually get around 45 minutes, 50 at most. Can I say one tiny little thing? Of course. Thing? Did you know that there was a, um, not that long ago, I think last fall, a um, almost famous musical that what a uh, stage show that was um introduced oh no i didn't but i don't think that's a particularly good idea i don't feel i have way. my miss uh givings about this uh they premiered it in san diego in maybe like september october last year and i desperately wanted to see it because I mean, this is one of my favorite movies, and um, the guy who was playing Russell is also an actor that I like. Um, I think his name is Colin O'Donnell, which you may or may not know is um, not um, Tommy Merlin in the early seasons of Arrow, and he's on like I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit like that. It has a bunch of Broadway background, and he played Russell. Anyway, I really wanted to see it, but it was a short run. But I'm I'm super curious to see how that would even work on stage. Well, was it a jukebox musical? Because I fucking hate those. I really do. I can't I, even get I, through rock. I honestly, I don't know. That's I the linchpin because... where I don't I don't like in musicals is where they don't have their own original songs. They just steal songs basically that already existed. You know how um, a lot of I don't know if you know this, but a lot of Broadway shows they don't they don't just immediately jump to Broadway. They have to test it out in smaller markets. Right. So they do. So this one was tested out in San Diego, but then it was like it was October, November, or something of last year, and you know Broadway can't do shit right now. So I don't know if it was a success, if people liked, it, if it was any good, if it's going to go anywhere. We'll see. We may never ever know. <laughs> but I just thought it was very interesting. Yeah, maybe it'll have After a revival. After twenty years that they made it a musical on broad, <laughs> or you know, trying to make it a Broadway show. All right. The so. End. Yeah, this is the end of this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Video Night Podcast. You'll find all our episodes there. And uh, Mindy, thank you very much. Hey, thank you for letting me watch this movie again for good purposes. I'm talking now. Bye, everybody.